When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Tinderbox. We are the podcast for Matchsticks and Gasoline, the Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. It's Mark, Maddie, and Michael today. Uh, no Gordy. Gordy's microphone uh, decided it didn't want to play today. So as we said, we're going to dock Gordy's pay for the afternoon. He goes to the principal's office. So uh, we got the three M's here today crushing it. Maddie, I'll go from my uh, right, uh, left to right. Maddie, how are you this afternoon? Lovely. It's a beautiful day here in Pennsylvania, so I am enjoying being inside for it. Is it Lovely. beautiful? The sun's out. The sun's out in PA. Yeah. We're, we're in the middle of a three-day nor'easter up here, so it's done nothing but rain sideways and be windy and be cold oh, and raw. I love New England's fun. It's great. It's great living near an ocean. Michael, how you doing in Calgary? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Um, I'm enjoying the last kind of nice day it's supposed to get like really cold starting on friday so we're enjoying like the last like nice day of the year before it becomes winter and gross so not too bad i I feel like so tomorrow's like the first real cold day was like yesterday the first real warm day is that like how canadian summer turns into fall it's like one day and then it's over yeah pretty much it goes from like very (laughs) lovely i'm wearing shorts to like crap where's my parka and then winnipeg's like we don't even have summer what is summer how does that work or or Manitoba in general. Yeah. <laughs> that's Canadian 40, right? Not, yeah. not Massachusetts, <laughs> Pennsylvania 40, because that's a totally different 40. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Well, now that we got the weather report out of the way for today, that weather report brought to you by let's somebody sponsor us. Somebody listen to this podcast and give us a weather sponsor. Um <laughs> Cal Tire. I don't have tires. I'll come store them at your place anyway. So the Flames, uh, four-game winning streak. Uh Calgary hit the road, which you know, East Coast trips can be a little uh difficult at times and if you look at some of the crazy stats the flames hadn't played in detroit in 606 days they hadn't who's it like the devils or the capitals it was like a thousand days since they had seen a team like that but um four and oh so far uh flames are looking really good on the road uh maddie your impression so far what you've seen of the flames it's things are fun are we having fun that's so. like my i don't know how to process it yeah it, it, it's been a while i mean it's been two years since the flames have won four straight games which seems mind-boggling bananas to me i don't understand that uh michael is this the real flames or are we just getting that like <gasps> bring us up to the top of the roller coaster just to whoosh, go right back down i don't know because i said last week that i wanted to give the team like 30 games this year before i made a judgment one way or the other and that was in the midst of they just lost their first two games and people were already panicking so like as much as i want to go like wild right now at the same time i'm kind of like all right we kind of i want to give it some more time to make sure like to see what they actually are because we've seen teams before that start really well and then just fall off a couple months into the season so happy right now but like i'm trying not to buy in too much even though it's getting tough now, when you look at what's going on right now, I mean, the Edmonton loss, 
Maddie and I both definitely agree. Ugmo, no need to ever have that again. The Ducks game was just bad. Like that was, but you look at what they've done on the road. Detroit, that's a team they should have beaten. So that was good. They handled that well um, with a shutout. And then, you know, they they come in and they they start blowing out the, the Capitals. And then Ovi and company show back up. But Calgary weathers the storm with a backup goalie and gets the two points in overtime. Then they come in and absolutely manhandle the New York Rangers, which I was kind of surprised-ish. I didn't think it was going to be like that type of a game, but um, it was also kind of fun to watch Milan Lucic just absolutely run Adam Fox over twice in the same play. I thought that was kind of cool to see. Um, and then and then New Jersey, last night, uh, the first period explosion of goals. It was like a Michael Bay movie all of a sudden. Everything kerploding everywhere. Calgary's got goals. Manjapani's got, what, two in the first period. And then, you know, a little sloppy puck play, and they end up with a 5-3 win, but... um. You know, Calgary's like they're beating the teams they should be beating. And it, I think the Devils, I'm using air quotes, hot start was uh, shown to be nothing more than a, I think, a blip on the radar because anybody, they did not look good last night, did they, Maddie? No, they didn't. And I mean, them not having Jack Hughes right now hurts and they're on what, like their fourth goalie at this <laughs> <Yep>. point. Um, <laughs> but also, like, you know, I don't think the Devils are that good anyway, so. No, and, and honestly, like, Michael, like, watching that game last night, you talk about on goalies, like, they're, you know, Jonathan Bernier is their number one. He's out. Hughes is out. Um, then Dawes starts, and then actually I posted the preview the other day, and some Devils fan came on and was like, look, hockey, aren't we? Do you really, really? Dawes is going to handle his business. And at 4 nothing, I just responded with the, what's up, emoji? <laughs> like, the, you know, the shoulder <laughs> shrug. But, like, Michael, uh, did you feel a little bit for uh, Blackwood last night as he comes in and his first shot is Mangiapane coming streaking down the left side on a breakaway? Like, you know, it's just the Devils were already having a bad night and then it just it continued from there on out. Yeah, I kind of feel for Wedgwood. Like he comes. Oh, Wedgwood. In off, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, it's one of the woods. <laughs> Blackwood was injured. Wedgwood did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I don't know. Yeah, I felt pretty rough that he probably faced like the hottest scorer in the NHL, like on a breakaway, his first shift after. I think it was Brat on the Devils just like toe picked and ate it into the boards to set up the breakaway pass for like Dubé to Manjapani. Like, I'm sure he's just throwing his arms up as soon as like the play went. Like, what what are you even going to do at that point? But I thought after that, he was actually pretty solid the rest of the way. Kind of disappointed. He could have like hashecked it or done a little, you know, <laughs> he could have complied <laughs> out and try to go at Manjapani. But I like the thing I like most about that. We'll transition now into how awesome Andrew Manjapani is. Um, his patience on that play, like he was in the right spot at center ice, um, just took the puck, skated in, and didn't try to shoot. Like, that's the one thing. Like, when Lucic came in on his breakaway, which is a sentence I never thought we'd say this season or ever, um, you know, he immediately shot the puck right away. It was like, he was like, oh my God, I, I can score and fired. Like, Manjapani waited out Wedgwood, you know, waited him out, moved him to Manjapani's right, then deked around him and tucked the puck in. Um, he's pretty good, isn't he, Maddie? Pretty, pretty good. <laughs> uh, Michael, I know you're, I think, the uh, as Maddie is the leader of the Elias Lindholm fan club, uh, you are definitely the leader of the uh, Breadman's fan club, no? Yeah, I think I'd be getting to that point. Um, yeah, to your point about that breakaway goal, like, he just looks so confident right now. That's something, like, I think it takes a lot of young players, even a couple of years, to figure out, but... Just the way he's been kind of like maybe early in his career, he would maybe just try, like you said, a quick shot after he got the puck there. But now he's he's creating turnovers. He's waiting. He's coming in. He's fighting off guys in front of the net and scoring these goals. Like it's just so impressive to see him take that step and so quickly this season. Like 
I don't think he's going to end up finishing on his 90 goal pace or whatever he's on right now, but it's been really impressive these first six games. PSN put up a stat last night during the game that I think it was, he might not, he might not have had his seventh goal, but it was like five of his six goals at that point have all been rising shots. Uh, nothing five, but maybe like maybe one was like five hole or like bottom corner. Everything else has been blocker side high or glove side high. And his shot, uh, Maddie, when he comes in, when he puts that puck up and it's going, it it is pretty difficult to stop. You saw with his first goal. I mean, he was being tangled up and then just boop right over goalie shoulder. Yeah, and it's like I do kind of wonder if the scoring is going to taper off a little bit once the goalies get a little bit more of a of a book on him at least what he's doing this season but i don't know it's uh it's a sneaky good shot and it keeps seeming to uh well sneak up on goalies but yeah and, and i mean when you look at manjapani now he and elias lindholm are tied for the league lead in goals with uh ovechkin i mean it's not bad company to be in um at some point calgary is going to have to pay potentially both johnny gaudreau and Andrew Mangiapane. Um, Michael, does this, does Mangiapane's hot start, I mean, it's amazing for the Flames right now, but it, does it pose potential problems for the Flames down the line when it comes time for contracts? I mean, like, I think absolutely it will. And it's kind of, I'm at the point right now where it's like, yeah, it's going to be an issue, but I kind of don't want to deal with it at the same time. Like, I kind of just want to enjoy where this season is going, but this is the giant, like, thing kind of hanging over all of it is like, well, if they're playing this well, him and Gaudreau and Kachuk are all going to want nice raises this summer if the team ends up having a really good season. So I'm kind of of the opinion that, like, I think at this point we have to understand they're probably going to lose one of the three, and that's most likely going to be Gaudreau just because the other two are going to take a good chunk of change. And I don't know. That's why I'm kind of back on the they need to go all in the season, like deadline acquisitions. Um, Just kind of go for it because – I think at this point, one of them is going to be priced out just with how they're all probably going to be looking for big raises this summer. Maddie, you're shaking your head. You seem to agree with Michael. Yeah, um, I don't really have too much to add. I just completely agree. And it's it's a little unfortunate that, you know, this is the, the nature of the game at this point with the salary cap. Um, it's going to be sad to see probably Goudreau go. But it's uh, it's getting to a point, you know, you're not going to be able to justify not paying Kachuk and Mangiapane. So, like, yeah. Flames are, hands are kind of tied here. Are you really sad, though? Because you kind of double dip here. So, Johnny Gaudreau leaving Calgary also might be good for you on one end, right? I mean, if he comes to Philly, I will stop complaining pretty I'm... quickly. But <laughs> we'll see how that goes. And I thought I read somewhere. I don't know if I'm correct or not. I thought he, he might have grown up outside of Philadelphia. Is that is that correct? Really? Yeah. Michael, is that uh, true? Did Johnny Gaudreau grow up outside of Philadelphia? I'm not sure. I don't know. I thought I heard that rumored at one point, okay. but nobody was able to confirm it. Um, something else mentioned. Uh, we'll, we can backtrack a couple of games here. We'll, we can jump back into some Flames players. But um, former Flame player, I heard the Flames used to have his rights and they traded him. Um, Adam Fox the other night went up against his former team, had a nice three-point game uh, the last time they met. But uh, what's today? Uh, Monday night. Uh, was it Monday Rangers? Yeah, because Tuesday was Devils. Yeah, so Monday with the Rangers, uh, Mr. Fox did not exactly have uh, his best game. Uh, pointless, uh, shotless, uh, was a minus one, and got run over twice in one play by Milan Lucic. Um, obviously, Adam Fox is a fantastic talent. Um, he will be a very good defenseman in this league for years to come. But just to quickly review that, we're, we're all happy with Lindholm and Hannafin, right? 
No complaints here. No complaints. Michael? Yeah, I think I'm pretty good as much as that, like him and Hamilton both leaving in that one trade was tough. Like, man, I think Lindholm has just been so good. And Hannafin, who has been quietly solid this year again, like, I think for defensemen, if you don't really talk about them, that's usually a good sign. And like, Mm -hmm. he's just been solid again this year, which I don't think we saw as much the first two years. So yeah, no complaints with that trade, given all the situations involved. Perfect. Michael, we're going to transition again. That was a nice, nice, solid transition talking about defensemen we don't talk about. Let's jump into a defenseman we have been talking about a lot, and mainly because we've all been going, what WTF? Like, what's the deal with him? Calgary is undefeated since Oliver Shillington has taken over for Nikita Zadorov. Um, Maddie, your impressions on Oliver Shillington so far in his time on the ice? Uh, almost like he's a good player and should have been <laughs> playing this whole time. <laughs> I know, right? Are we surprised? No, and it's like such a simple answer. It's dumbfounding. Michael, uh, Shillington, uh, like, why did it take so long? I don't know. I was going to say we could probably go back and look at our podcast from like the last three years and probably every second podcast we had a segment on when are they going to play Oliver Shillington and it's just been so nice to see him with a good partner too. Like that's the thing before is when they played him it was bottom pairing with whatever they could dredge up from either like Stockton or like a seventh defenseman that's barely hanging on to an NHL career. Like to see him with Tanev and to see both of them just getting better with each game is so encouraging and i think at this point like there's no question he's like a top four defenseman on this team at least so far yeah and you look at too like he um tan have struggled for those first couple games when he was paired with zadorov and daryl much uh, unlike his predecessors made a move quickly whereas you have to feel like gullitson or peters or uh jeff ward would have stuck with those pairings and just kept grinding them into the ground till it was like 30 games into the season and things were a nightmare started to his credit you know didn't you know like shillington's preseason but likes his his big slow heavy boys better um pulled the plug on zadorov rather quickly so that was kind of nice to see and giving shillington a shot and even like though he's not complimentary of him either like shillington had a really good game probably was the flames best player against the capitals and he was asked afterwards about him. He goes, yeah, he did some good things, but there's still a lot of work. And I'm paraphrasing. But it was like, dude, he was the Flames' best skater. He was probably their best defenseman that day. And he's just still so like, he's like a dad who coaches his kid. You know, he's like, yeah, he was all right. You know, he scored 12 goals, but he was average. You know, um, but it's nice to actually see Shillington get And I feel like he's kind of stabilized that defense, too. Like, Valamaki looks better on that bottom pairing as well. Um, so are we all happy so far, Maddie? Uh, Flames defense, now that the the garbage has been moved off the ice. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't super excited about seeing Zadorov like when the move happened. Um, But yeah, it's been good. It seems like, like you kind of alluded to it's, this has allowed everything to kind of slot into its proper place. And I mean, this is as close to optimized as we, as we've seen the defense looking in a little bit here. So that's been nice. Hopefully they can keep it rolling, but so far, so good. Michael, any last thoughts on the thoughts on the Flames defense? Well, yeah, I just wanted to say, like, kind of like Maddie said, like, I'm surprised that they moved off Zadorov so quickly, considering like they paid a third round pick and gave him a decent contract for one year to come in. But um, it's nice to see that they're not set in stone on what they want to do. Like, that was kind of what I think a lot of us were afraid of before. It's like Sutter would come in, just put in his big guys every night, whether or not they were doing well. And it was nice to see that, like, they would change so quickly on that front. And then also 
the other guy I've been impressed with so far. I know it's early, and I know he's not going to be this good all year, but like I thought Erica Branson's just been, for what we expected, and even what we saw in the preseason, which was a pretty big train wreck, like six games in, he's got three points, I think, and has just yeah. been solid on the third pair. Like, not great. He's not. He's never going to be great, but like for what I expected, it's been miles above what we could have even hoped for, I would say. Yeah, that's a great point. Cause I remember like Gabranson and Zadorov during the preseason were kind of like the uh the whipping boys for the flames. Like they were just like, Oh my god, here we go. Two more horrible defensemen. But yeah, now that Gabranson has settled in, he's got I think three assists in his last three games. Two of them came in one, and then he picked up a helper the other day. So um again, if you're not looking out on the ice going, what is 44 doing? You're doing okay. Um, so I say, you know, I'm I'm Probably with everybody else, I think the Flames' defensive core is, you know, good. I mean, somebody's going to need a day off at some point, so you're going to see Stone or um, Zadorov back in. But I like the fact that Daryl Sutter isn't stubborn with things. Um, if we can continue on with the stubborn theme, we'll talk about Sutter hockey after the break. But uh, I'll be honest, when the season started, I was expecting just based on him wearing a letter and past performance that Sutter was going to cram Sean Monahan into one of those two lines on the top two and the top six and drag it down like he's has been doing. And we know Monahan's been playing hurt. And I have a thought on that that I can get into later, but I like the fact that Sutter is like, dude, you're rehabbing, you're coming back. You're not the player you used to be playing the bottom six. Um, I, Monahan to me has always been a guy the last couple of years that's kind of disappeared. He's been invisible at times on the ice and if he's going to be invisible in the bottom six. I don't particularly care. Um, Matt, he's been a little bit more physical this year. Um, I don't expect a boatload of points out of him or comeback player of the year, but uh, what are your thoughts on Monahan? Is it just kind of like, are we reaching the end of the road or do you have some hopes for him? Um, it it kind of does feel like the end of the road at this point. Um, and like you said, I'm also really encouraged by the fact that Sutter isn't trying to shoehorn him into a top six role when he's like, frankly, not playing like he deserves it. Um, and you know, he's got a significant injury to come back from. So there's that as well, but, um, it, it does seem like, yeah, we're, we're nearing the end here, but if they found a spot in the lineup for him where he can be optimized and still useful and it doesn't disturb the rest of the lines that are clicking pretty well right now um that seems like it's it's pretty much for the best michael your thoughts on monahan was his kind not his fate sealed but the play against anaheim in overtime um was that kind of like you saw that happen with monahan you're like all right i we pretty much know what we're going to get out of monahan from now on well, yeah, that play in particular, it just felt like as soon as he got on the ice, like it just wasn't going to work as soon as they lost the puck, which is exactly what ended up happening. Um, I don't know. For me, Monaghan, like, I think he's kind of in the spot maybe he always should have been. Like, he's he's probably at his core, like a bottom six forward that just has a really good shot, which is why yeah. I think it still makes sense to keep him on that top power play. Like, he still had his chances the last couple of games, like even – at even strength or on the power play. Like, I think he is what he is at this point. Um, he probably rode Gaudreau to some of those big numbers early in his career. But I think at the end of the day, like, this might be a good spot for him. The rest of the team now seems to finally have the depth to allow him to kind of be further down the lineup. And who knows? Like we said, he's still rehabbing. And if he can just um, kind of be, like, at least a decent player in the bottom six and then come up for the power play and whip in a few here and there, like, I don't have any issues with him. I don't know if that's what he'll like long-term, but I don't have any issues with his usage right now. Agree. And I, I think I'm probably in the minority. I'm one of those, like, you know, there's always that old saying when you coach players, it's 
are you injured or are you hurt? You always ask a guy it comes out the field. You can play injured, right? You have, you're dinged up a little. You can't play hurt. And to me, it was always like if Monahan knew that his hip was toast 13 games into the season. I mean, I know athletes are competitive and everything else, but for the betterment of him and for the betterment of the team, I'm one of those people that's like, dude, you should have shut yourself. Like, something should have been done at that point because now you're you're damaging your chances long term with the franchise and your health and you know your own playing ability. And I'm probably definitely on the minority in that thing, but I just think like if he had been that hurt, he probably should have been shut down way earlier. And I think that's probably on player and organization. Maddie, go. Um, I was just going to say, I think for me that does come down to or come down on, you know, coach management mm-hmm. or something like that, because we know, like you said, players are going to want to play through whatever they're dealing with. That's just how yeah. it is. And I think somebody needs to be the grown up in the room to be like, no, actually you're hurting the team and you're making yourself worse. We've got to shut it down for a bit. Absolutely. It's a very solid point. And I, I'm 100% in agreement with you on that one as well. So we're going to take a quick break here on the Tinderbox. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about Daryl Sutter hockey. And then we will touch on briefly the situation going on in Chicago, which is, um, I think gross would probably be an understatement, but an appropriate word to use at this time. So I'll pause right here while we pay some bills and we will be right back on the Tinderbox. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the Tinderbox podcast for Matchsticks and Gasoline, the Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. Mark, Maddie, and Michael today. Uh, Daryl Sutter hockey was going to be boring. It was going to be slow. It was going to be plodding. The Flames were only going to score two goals a game and win two to nothing, two to one, lose two to one, lose four to two. Uh, lots of big, heavy, slow guys, you know, uh, Elias Lindholm and Andrew Mangiapane are tied for the league leading goals. Johnny Gaudreau has seven assists. Um, yeah, the Flames, uh, they're pretty boring to watch, aren't they, Maddie? Uh, they're fun in the first period. I'll give them that. <laughs> right. It's. I think it's the first time you ever look at a Flames team and go, well, they only played 20 minutes, but they won five to three. So that's all that matters, right? <laughs> Uh, Michael, uh, you know, we're always complaining the Flames don't play 60 minutes, but um, short of a couple games this season, Sutter Hockey has been good enough in the first period to uh, for them to get heavy and slow, clog the neutral zone, stand teams up at the blue line. Um, is this something that's sustainable for Calgary this season? Well, I want to say yes and no, because it's nice to see that they're starting on time. I know you and I have talked about this a few times that like one thing the Flames always struggled with, it seems like with this core is that they never seem to start on time. but Watching them this year has just been such a breath of fresh air. And then, like you said, once they get up 2-3-0 and they can kind of just shut things down the rest of the night, like 
I don't know how sustainable is long term because you're not going to be up every game like that. But um, just to see them coming out and playing hard, and then also I did want to touch on this a bit earlier, but they've also done a really good job. I thought of like bouncing back when things go against them this year, which we haven't seen before. Yeah. Like I was thinking specifically like the Capitals game; they gave up a three nothing lead every other year. They would have lost like six three by the time it was over. Even the Ranger game, they gave up that first goal against to make it two one. Like. Last year, that would have ended up being a 4-2 loss or something. So I don't know how sustainable this is all going to be at the end of the day, but like, it seems to be a good recipe for now if you give your goalie a three-goal cushion after the first period. Yeah, and especially with Washington, they gave their backup goalie a three-goal cushion. They surrendered three, which honestly, I don't think Vladar played poorly against Washington at all. Um, he definitely had some issues last night where the he played the puck poorly, turned it over, and it became a goal. And then he had one where like his mask was partially off, and instead of just throwing his mask off and getting the whistle, he just played with half of them. It was weird. It's a weird scenario. But um, yeah, I think you know you give up three goals, Maddie, to Washington, especially knowing the firepower that that team has. And you go to overtime and you beat them in overtime with your backup goalie. It's 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 nice to be able to do these things for a change. Yeah, exactly. It it feels really fresh, um, and not to get too into like a this this team just feels different. This year feels different, <laughs> sort of thing. Like however many games of the season we are, it's so early. But like it it is. It's different. Will they hold on to it? We'll see. But like. Yeah. I'll I'll appreciate it while it lasts. It's just so nice to have the Flames not have to roar back from like that season where they might how, how many was the season? How many come from behind wins where they were like the what were they the uh the the what they find away flames find away the find away flames yes we're like they'd be down three nothing and Gaudreau would get a hat trick and Geo Christmas Eve or the day before Christmas Eve December twenty third Gaudreau gets a hat trick against the Kings to bring him back into it and then Geo wins it in overtime four to three like stuff like that like that that team was like so much fun to watch because they were so bad in the first two periods and then they were like third period magic um, but it's nice to actually turn on a game. And from like the puck drop to the first horn, be like, oh, okay, well, this game I can go, I can do laundry now, or you know, I can do the dishes or whatever, because they got a three or four goal cushion. Um, standings wise, the Flames are fourth place right now in the Western Conference, behind the Wild, Oilers, and Blues. Uh, which now, if you can do the math and put everything together, the only team ahead of them right now in the Pacific is Edmonton, who are five zero and zero. I don't think the Oilers probably can sustain undefeated hockey forever. Um, with McDavid and you know Drysidel and Pugliari and everybody else, but um, Calgary done uh, some nice work getting themselves back into uh, back into the division. Now that's a nice little cushion they've got. Yeah, likely. So uh, we come up now road trip wise. Calgary now will be finishing up their road trip with a stop uh, at Pittsburgh on Thursday. The Penguins are uh, currently three one and two and fourth in the Metropolitan, which is a you know the Metropolitan can be a tough division for sure. Um, so three, one, and two in fourth place this isn't bad considering the Flames are four, one, and one, and they're in second place. Um, post that, uh, Calgary. Uh, where did I lost my train of thought? Okay, here we go. They uh, come home for uh, they come home like a nice little home stretch here. They've got the Flyers, the Predators, the Stars, the Rangers, and Sharks. Um, not murderers row, but once again, teams that will give you a hard time. Um, expectations. Uh, first off, finishing this road trip. Uh, Think the Flames can uh, sweep the road trip? Yeah, I think they have a decent shot at it. Like I heard Crosby's coming back for Pittsburgh more than likely on Thursday, so that's going to be a challenge. But I don't know. I didn't expect them to win all these games, but like it's 
I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. They're hot right now. I think they're going to just keep rolling. So I, I would say yes, they're going to win on Thursday. But yeah. Maddie, typically a 500 road trip was was a win for the Flames. Um, coming home, looking, you know, Philly, Nashville, Dallas, uh, the Rangers again, and the Sharks. What are uh, what are your hopes for uh, that homestand? Um, I don't know. I, I think a split there would be good. I think the Flyers one is going to be, I don't quite know what to make of that. Um, if It depends if Ryan Ellis plays. If he's out still, that's going to be uh, a much more manageable game. But I think they've, I mean, they're all very, very winnable games on deck. So um, it's like you talked about earlier, taking care of the teams they probably should beat. Um, if they can keep that up, that would be stellar. It's like the first time the NHL schedule makers have helped the Flames out instead of coming off a road trip and coming home to Edmonton, Winnipeg, Dallas, St. Louis, Minnesota, you know, teams that they typically tend to struggle with. The Flames have not a cushy schedule, but it's a nice time of year to be able to build up, you know, some goodwill with the schedule. And I mean, you look at even after that, they've got their they go on the road for they have a very long road trip. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven on the road, Montreal, Toronto, Ottawa. Philly, Buffalo, the Islanders, and Bruins. So not an easy road trip by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, when you got Ottawa and Buffalo in there, you know, you've got games that are winnable. Um, after that, they go to the Blackhawks. And we'll touch upon Chicago very quickly because this is a uh, very gross subject, everything that's going on in Chicago. If you haven't been paying attention, in 2010, um, the, the Blackhawks are in trouble for issues that happened in 2010. And I would assume carried on for years after that uh chicago's in some deep trouble with the league they've been fined two million dollars for issues of sexual assault harassment it's just it's an absolute nightmare what's going on in chicago and as much as this is an nhl issue uh i don't think it's a hockey hockey has its own issues clearly uh junior hockey's got plenty of problems had plenty of problems um you know there was racism overseas this year with hockey, uh, you saw the stuff that the Flames went down with Bill Peters from his past. Um, but you also have the Raiders and John Gruden. Um, personally, I'm a huge Miami Dolphins fan, and I they, they're trying to go after Deshaun Watson and there's issues with that. Like sports is a really icky place right now. Outside, of, you know, if you step away from the fun, um, does anybody have any thoughts? Anything they want to discuss on Chicago? Other than I will say, I think what happened up there is just it's disgusting. It never should have happened. It can't happen again. But I think we all know, unfortunately, in some corner of the world, on some team, on some locker room, on some bus, it's going to happen again because people are just gross. Maddie, go for it. Yeah, I mean, it's reprehensible across mm -hmm. the board. I have a really hard time giving the Blackhawks any props for how they've handled the situation. Even now, it seems like they've just done the absolute bare minimum, um, even, you know, not firing Bowman, but giving him a chance to resign, I think is pretty cowardly. And um, I'm looking at on Twitter, a, a quote from Jeremy Colleton from practice today. And it's not leaving me feeling very good about the, no. the state of hockey even now where he said um, the Stan, I know that's not his values. It's hard to separate the two. Personally, I just think that you feel for him while also understanding that hockey culture, we got to make sure we're doing the right things. Like, I I don't think you do have to feel for him. Um, no. I think no. that's a pretty gross quote. Um, 
and I, I'm I'm just not feeling very good about any of this. Michael, your thoughts on uh, the Chicago Blackhawks complete mess that they're in right now to their undoing for the record. Yeah. I just want to say like, first of all, like hats off to the reporter, like Rick Westhead and the others that were all involved in bringing this out. Like I can't imagine when this is your career that it's that easy to like out a story like this, knowing that you're probably going to burn some bridges in the process. So like hats off to them. Um, In terms of all this, I just want to say like the couple of things I thought during all this coming out was like, I can't remember who got the quote exactly, but it like when they were debating dealing with it during that meeting back in 2010, that they didn't want to upset the chemistry of their team because they didn't know if they'd make it deep in the playoffs again. Like I thought as gross as everything was with that story, I just thought that's like such an indictment on what hockey culture really is. It's like, we're not going to deal with this like serious criminal matter because we might lose a few games in the playoffs. Like, if you want to point at what's wrong with sport right now, I think that's one of those things is that teams are putting victories over people and legitimate issues like this. Yeah. Go ahead, Manny. Yeah. And the other thing is I've seen, I don't know, some people talking about this, like hockey culture isn't always inherently bad. There's very much this feeling of we look out for our own here and that can be a very good thing. But uh, what we're seeing with how everything was handled in Chicago is how, ugly that can turn very quickly yeah and you look at how it comes down to like what's quinville's role in this you know i mean he's not in chicago anymore but now he's having to answer questions like this uh what about taves and kane you know leaders on that team like where what what do they know what did they do what didn't they do you know and i think that's where you know it's the whole win now and we'll deal with sexual assault and rampant you know homophobia and racism afterwards to me and they i'm sorry winning doesn't winning doesn't top just being a good human being you know like that's where you have to draw the line we did the column earlier about we have to be better as people and it, it's it still shows i don't take the hockey culture i don't care screw hockey culture forget you know you hear about football tough guy sport no no people are people i'm sorry it doesn't matter what sport you play you're still a human being okay and the the toughest, meanest guy on the football team still has feelings, you know, the same thing on the ice. And to just th- put those things aside and be like, well, we'll win now and we'll deal with, you know, sexual assault of our players later. No, no, you can't. Like it, that takes precedence, I think, over anything else. And as it should in any section of society, no? Absolutely. Um, anybody have any final thoughts on this? We want to just let that one go as it is. I just hope this isn't the end. Um, yeah. There's certainly, like you said, more people who are responsible who should be held responsible. And I'm sure there are other icky, reprehensible yeah. things that have been buried by organizations elsewhere in the league, in sports in general. Um, and I, I hope that there are still reporters and people out there fighting the good fight. Yep. I think you're going to see if, you know, I think once this stuff starts to come on more, I think you, you'll probably find other teams are going to have similar issues maybe not to that level but they may have some skeletons in their closets as well all right we're going to wrap it up here on the tinderbox maddie and michael thank you so much for coming on talking flames hockey and handling a uh, 
a, a tougher topic, but I know it's something that definitely needed to be discussed. If you enjoy this podcast, you can find it on iTunes, Google Podcast, or Spotify. Just search up the Tinderbox or Matchsticks and Gasoline. You can find us under any Calgary Flames podcast links. You can also find us on the web, www.matchsticksandandgasoline.com, on Twitter at MatchsticksCGY, and on Instagram at MatchsticksCGY as well. Flames are off tonight. They next hit the ice on Thursday when they take on the Pittsburgh Penguins at 5 p.m. Mountain Time. You guys are, you guys are in Alberta. You get your, your TV dinner and set it up in the living room and watch the Flames play as you come home from work. Thank you all so much for joining us, and we will catch you next time on the Tinderbox.